everybody, Steve DeLaviago, Welcome Rise Nation, our podcast. I am so excited to be with Miss Mindy Weinstein, mm -hmm. the author of The Power of Scarcity, one of my favorite books. We sent that out to a hundred of our rock stars last year, as you know, because you're so amazing. It's funny, so, you know, for folks context, right, mm -hmm. growing up, I mean, were you always into psychology, the power of the brain? How did it get to this in your world with scarcity? Talk about how you got started. Oh, I love starting with that. So I didn't, when I was a kid, think to myself, oh, I want to be an author and I want to write about something called scarcity. That was that not, wasn't like growing no. up like, this is what a good idea. What do you want to do? And people were very impressed. I always loved to write, but that's a whole nother story. Yeah. So for me, I grew up, I liked doing things creative, but I loved words because I realized uh. early on that the words you use make a big impact. So... I mean, when I was really little, I had a typewriter, so I would type up stories, I'd have my pictures, but I just realized that, wow, there's a lot of power here, depending on how you're wording things. And right. so I went the marketing route when I went to college, and so I knew I was going to major. Where did you go to school? I went to, so it was a small, so my undergrad is at Vanguard University, so small uh, school. I know Vanguard, okay. well, I went to Cal Lutheran University, so did we were in the really? sky, baby, yes ma'am. No way, we the, I did uh, not Golden know State that Athletic about Conference. you. Yes, okay, well that is very amazing. That's okay, awesome. so Vanguard University, and and at the time, I knew I was going to major in business, but it was my first marketing class that I right. took. I thought to myself as I was sitting there, I could actually write and be creative and be in the business world. And so with marketing, so much of it is psychology. Yes, is. I mean, everything that we do in business and trying to reach customers and clients, it's really that human level of trying to understand them and connect with them. So that piqued my interest. But I ended up in the marketing industry right when I graduated. And that's what I've been in. But I ended up in the academic side of things. And that's where the whole like PhD in psychology came about. Where was your uh, Where was your PhD from? Where'd you get, where'd you get your Yeah, so I could definitely. So I ended up getting my MBA over at uh, Arizona State University. So ASU, I know you've baby. heard of that one. The Harvard of the West, ASU. <laughs> so yes, I know you know that one. So I had done business, and then I did business again, and I knew I was going to continue on with my degree because I was teaching. So I was teaching yeah. full time at Grand Canyon University nice. in the marketing department, and I didn't want to keep studying business because. Again, we're humans. So no yeah. matter what we do, if I could better understand psychology and what drives us, yeah, what's going on in the brain, because it always fascinated me. And I was always testing things in marketing. Again, what yeah. if I did it this way? What if I sent out this message? And then I even learned just by accident, oh, in job interviews, when I say this, that's really interesting that I get this response. They want to hire you on the spot. And so I went the general psychology route and it just opened my eyes even more because I felt like that was the one piece I was missing. I got business, I got marketing, I got that. Let's really dive into the psychology part. And maybe don't tell my husband and kids, but I did try a lot out on them. So <laughs> well, they, I know, they I do know Michael, so I'm glad you did. That explains a lot. <laughs> he does the laundry, and he's really excited about it, and he doesn't know why. <laughs> so I feel like I've done a really Ladies, good job. Ladies, it's worth that read alone, by the way, <laughs> just for that deal. Um, that's awesome. Okay, so you you understood then, and I think this is so important. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time with yourself or Nate Rodriguez, people that understand the neuro, how mm -hmm. the brain works, because sales and or influence is really about understanding how you can say the least amount of words to get the most impact and understand that the consumer takes that in. So now, now you understand scarcity. Mm -hmm. What was like your aha to go, oh my gosh, this needs to be part of really every right. sales message right. if you're going to really be great at it. Yeah. So, you know, during my PhD program, that was my focus. You know, I spent all the years studying that, researching, testing it. 
And I knew that I wanted to dive into influence. So yeah. what influences us? Because that's everything. Correct. You know, everything that we do. And as I started getting into the influence factors, I quickly realized that scarcity was the strongest. Ah. And it's because it's Scarcity primal. is the strongest influence factor. Influence factor by far mm -hmm. because it's primal. And there have been studies, neuroscience, we're talking about that, MRI studies that show the activity of the brain when faced with scarcity. And not faced with scarcity that you're telling someone they're not going to be able to get food and water. I'm talking about scarcity of there's a sale that ends tomorrow. And then just watching the brain activity. And I had an aha moment then because all of a sudden then I started thinking about all the decisions I had probably personally right. made <laughs> because I feel like when we think of scarcity, most of it. us think of time pressure. Correct. And I have noticed that. So when I say I wrote a book on scarcity, that's usually the response I get is I hate those emails. That's always what I hear. I hate those emails. Like, well, which emails? And it's usually the emails they say that I have to act today, right. today only. I only have today. But that's not really the only part of scarcity. That's one little sliver. Yeah. And I don't think out of all the types of scarcity and different ways it's implemented, I feel like that's actually not as effective as some Give of the others. Give us the top two or threes. In your book, you outline it, which I is I outlined four. Yeah. And so as I was studying and doing research and testing, there are really four types of scarcity. So you have supply-related scarcity, yeah. and that is what it sounds like. There's a supply shortage. We all experienced it during hence, COVID. Well, there might be short on toilet paper. Everybody's right. out buying masks. I'm like, what are people I doing? I know, I know. So that right there was a huge motivation for me. I'm like, yeah. I need to get this message out there. Then there's <laughs> demand-related scarcity. So that's anytime you see most popular, bestseller, or you want to get into that crowded restaurant, that's all demand-related scarcity. Demand-related. And then you have time-related scarcity, so that's any restriction on time. So that's where time pressure comes in, but even there, there's so many different types. And then finally, it's limited edition. And limited mm. edition is really supply-related scarcity, but it just acts differently. But what's amazing about the different types, too, is that they don't appeal to everybody. And that's another thing that just was so fascinating as I have been studying and researching and doing all this is that I feel like a lot of time in sales and marketing or running a business, we hear about something. So you hear, oh, I should do scarcity. So you keep trying to do something where it's a today only sell or you're pressuring someone or maybe it's even that you do have some type of supply restriction. Well, the problem is that's not going to appeal to every customer. So that's why it doesn't always work. And it's just one of those things that we think we understand. But I will tell you, most people don't. Reading your book, it was so funny how many times I see it now <laughs> in every single way I'm engaged. My watch sales lady, who I love, I absolutely love her, right? She'll send something, but she's a first edition. <laughs> she knows time is, I don't care about time. You give me some, you got to call me today, this thing goes away, I don't care. She says, hey, I have... The Omega with the leather band. There was only 13 of them. Okay, I've got two left. I thought of you. Would you like to come in and look at it? No rush. I'll hold it for up to a week <laughs> if you'd like to. And immediately I was like, oh, well, yep. yeah. Well, let me look at my calendar. Yep, I'll <laughs> see you course. next Tuesday. Like, because I, that limited edition is yes. only 13 is out there. Right. I want to have. So I think when you look at, like, when you're talking about luxury, mm -hmm. that's more that first edition Absolutely. supply. You're talking about, like, respectfully, like, oh, we're. Toilet paper or <laughs> no, no, that could be more time. Hey, we're going to be out of this in the next 12 hours, you know. So do you think that the the demand, um, the scarcity piece is dependent on 
kind of the level you're talking about or is it a personality trait of who you're talking to or it's both? it's a little bit of both mm -hmm. so i love that you brought up your watch and i'm going to tell you so as i talk about scarcity i don't want anyone listening thinking that i don't fall for, oh, yeah, it. We all fall for it because i think that's even what's so ironic is it's that strong mm -hmm. so i find myself getting so caught up in things and i buy them because i'm like well i want that because there's only 10 of them and that really though, stepping back, that speaks to a lot of us. And it's actually a lot in our culture here is. is that we want to be unique. We don't want to have the same thing as everyone else. We don't want to show up and someone has the same watch and you're like, well, my special watch doesn't yeah, feel exactly so special anymore. Right. And I'm the same way. And that's how most of us are. And so anytime that there's that wanting to be unique or showing self-expression of this is who I am, well, that is very much supply-related scarcity and also limited edition because it's not something that everyone's gonna have. Exactly. And so that really draws those people. And going back to our culture, social media, you really show self-expression with that, but it doesn't always have to be luxury. So sometimes you see goofy things that are limited edition. 100%. So if you didn't know this- Look at NFTs. Look at what people have done <laughs> right. with NFTs. Like they're basically a fictional thing, but oh, yes. there's only 30 of them. Right. Oh, My son would be like, I got the NBA drop pack today, dad, of cards. I go, what's it? He goes, I don't know, but they only did 20 of them. Right. I got one. I was like, what's okay. in it? Like, I don't get it, right? right? And he's explaining to me, that's just it. You don't know what's in it. I'm like, well, why'd you buy it? And he, so you're right. There's yes. that mindset. Right. And, and if you can wrap that around everything mm -hmm. that you're doing, knowing your four pillars kind right. of as your draws, right. you're going to appeal to way more people in a way faster level more often. Is that the mindset? Absolutely. Around absolutely. And I was going to give you a goofier example. Right. Actually, I was going to talk about Kit Kat, Kit oh, Kat bars. God. They came out with the churro edition. So it's there's true. things like that where people will buy it and they want to showcase it. But NFTs, I mean, that absolutely worked because of scarcity, because it's something rare and it's something that people could say, I have this. 100%. And you're a collector, so any collectors. But going back to what you just asked about the different types of scarcity is you can, you know, in your real estate business, implement each one, just depending on the market conditions, depending on what type of clientele you're trying to reach out to. And even when you have someone who maybe is even on the fence on whether they're going to work with you or not, I mean, that's where you could really invoke supply-related scarcity, showing that, you know, you are exclusive, that you only work with so many clients at a time because, you're not going to say it this way, but because you're that good. But that's how they perceive that's it. The so if you say, I only work with five clients at a time, and, you know, let's just talk and see if this is a right fit for each other. That's huge. That you've taught me this at Rise. Mm -hmm. We do this. We every lead source we work with, we tell them we have to be able to have an, a finite number. So once that's mm -hmm. sold out, it's sold out. So we want to make sure we can say we sold out a market. Your point about yeah. only five people, or right. only in this in this area of town, I'm only going to be assisting three partners three to look for investor property or whatever. Yes. Remember, there's a there's a finite, and I think other thing people make a mistake of. They take for granted that, well, everybody kind of does that. No, everybody doesn't. No, no. They don't, do they? They don't do it right. There you go. They do it a little bit of the cheesy way of, oh, you know, we'll s it just doesn't come off the right way. But that's the thing, too, I want to make a huge point about. Is that's that, where psychology comes yes, in. Yes, is that scarcity has to be authentic. And really, it does exist. So it's not something you're making up. No one has more than 24 hours in a day. We all do. Right. I mean, all of us. And so for us to give valuable time, so valuable is a huge part of scarcity to a client, to a partner. Well, you're going to be selective. 
And what happens when you do communicate it that way, just how you described too, is that that person now wants to work with you and they want to feel special. And even in my business, I've done some marketing consulting and I fell into that by accident even before my book because I had a potential client I really wanted to work with. I tried not to come off that I really, you know, try to be all cool about it. But when we were talking, the COO said, well, I know you're really busy because I know you teach full time. I was teaching full time. And he said, and I know you already have clients. How are you going to be able to work with this? And I just honestly and naturally said, I only work with a small number of clients at a time. I don't take on just everybody. So I'm very selective on who I'll work with. And it was interesting because the entire meeting flipped and all of a sudden that COO ended up spending the rest of the time trying to tell me why they would be a great client. And I still remember the things he said, we will be loyal. We'll stay with you a long time. You'll like our team. We'll follow your instructions. And I sat there for a moment like, what just happened? And then I realized, okay, it's because I showed my value, but it was very honest. I, my time's scarce too, just like all of us. This is important. If you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about nuggets, commit this to your memory. She said, I don't just give you time. I give you valuable time. Mm -hmm. And I select who I give that to. See, valuable and select mm -hmm. in the same sentence imply scarcity, scarcity and exclusivity. When you can work those into your discussion, that person mm -hmm. immediately feels like, now I'm trying out for you a little bit, not the other way around. Right, right. So it'd be like ladies, my, my ladies always teach me this. They go, see, if I get asked on a date at 4 o'clock on a Friday, mm -hmm. even if I've got nothing going, I'm never available and I'm mm -hmm. not going. Right? Because right. if I'm available yeah. all the time, that would seem too available. Right. right? So there is this model in everything, in mm -hmm. life, in personal, in business. All right, so you write the book. You had this great reaction. Great. What were some of the ahas from you heard back from your clients about it? Oh, about, uh, well, the book or just about Both. the concepts? Both. Well, it's been really interesting because I, and I'm going to step back a minute. Yeah. So I had been studying scarcity on an academic level. And then when COVID hit, the way that our brains work, you know, we all experienced scarcity, all of us. We always oh, yeah. knew scarcity exists. Well, that was... Right, but it was in our face. And so the way that our minds operate is we are constantly making predictions because there's so many different pieces of data that are coming through our brains. Right. And so our brain looks at past experiences. So when COVID hit, it changed the way we think, even yes. if you don't realize it. Wow, so we're very so sensitive about scarcity, about not being able to get something that we want. And we've had that. We've had that experience. And so I'm going to go back to that. So when I was looking at it from the academic setting and then testing it and practicing it and doing all those things, and then COVID hit and knowing that about the brain, I knew that scarcity was just going to become an even stronger influence factor. And it has. And so once I started working on the book, what was incredible is that I brought in a lot of different interviews from different companies from all over uh, all different, yeah, real estate, e-commerce. I interviewed the founder of 1-800-Flowers and oh, they nice. owe Harry and da own Harry and David. And yes, I interviewed do. the former VP of global marketing for McDonald's. And I discovered through them that they had, of course, been applying scarcity in very creative ways. And they were getting outcomes that you don't read about in textbooks and that no one talks about. And I'm talking about things like McDonald's builds fun and excitement 
with scarcity, which is not something you think of, oh, something's hard to get. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. But they do that all the time. Just think about the McRib sandwich or their shamrock shakes, yep. or they had an adult well, happy meal. It's that always came a out. limited time right. how they do it. Yeah. yeah, but it creates that excitement. You never know when something's going to happen. And then for 1-800-Flowers, they built community and really, actually, I should say, strengthened customer relationships because when I was talking to Jim McCann, that's the, the founder, he said that you go to our website and people are overwhelmed. And if you've ever been to oh, 1-800-Flowers.com, it's use 1-800-Flowers.com, believe me. Yeah, there's oh, man, a lot. tomorrow anniversary. Oh, shit. I better get this. Yes, yeah, so I got it. <laughs> and that may have been an example he gave me, something yeah, like that. Yeah, he said, so what we try to do is we try to help our customers and with that relationship. So we'll mark that this is the most popular or the best seller. But that's scarcity right there yes, because you're is. highlighting something that's high demand. So there now you have customer relationships. And then finally is community. And that's something that was really fascinating to me. So when something like talking about your watch, well, I imagine when you see other people who are First into watches. First thing I look at with guys. Yeah. And, it, and it does start to create a little community of people who are fans of the same thing. Or you build community because you're excited about something that's coming up. You're I on tease, a wait list. I tease John Keller about this all the time. Every time I see John, first thing he says is, what's on your wrist? I'm like, what are you wearing? What are you going to it's like that thing. Right. You're exactly right. It right. creates a community, almost unspoken. Some, like yeah. a Rise Nation, branded ecosystem we talk about a lot. Right. Others like because you have an affinity. Like with ladies, right. I'll see you guys talk about shoes sometimes. <laughs> oh my gosh, if I have that pair. Right. It creates that sense of community. So going back, so all of that was really amazing. So I was learning things and having aha moments as I was talking to different people in different awesome. industries because I'm like, this is just huge. So in terms of when the book came out, though, and being able to help clients and consult people, I have had uh, one company that I think of, their leads doubled. I mean, they were already doing really well, but their leads doubled and it was implementing scarcity. Another company there had an increase of 40% in just their closed sales. So we're seeing things like this. And I I use it personally as well, like, you know, and it, <laughs> I'll just be, but again, it's all genuine and that's a huge thing. Yeah, I know I already said genuine, it has to but I'm going to say it again. If you say that you are in high demand, but then people just see you posting on social about you went to this vacation and you're sitting around doing this, well, it doesn't look like you're in that high demand. So you got to really think about up, it has right? to line up. It's not authentic. It does. And we know that. We can all think of experiences with brands where Thousands. they said that something was sold out and then it turns out it wasn't sold out or it was restricted. I mean, we see it all the time. And we're, you know, clients are smart. So you want to make sure it's genuine. But again, all scarcity does exist. And so it's just a matter of how are you wording things? It's the value. And that's the thing too with value. I mean, I can geek out on this all day yeah. long. Just as you can yeah. tell, you're really excited about scarcity. <laughs> but the way the brain works, and we've seen this through MRI scans, which you can't really argue with what's no, happening in the brain. <laughs> no, not with science. All the science. But when faced with scarcity, the part of the brain that really does calculate valuation, so value of something, starts to light up right away, which basically means you see something that's harder to get, um, someone who's you immediately think it's better. You, you immediately think you should it to have value. It. So it equals value. It's why we want to go into the popular restaurants. And so you can position yourself in real estate that way because you are valuable. There's something you're bringing to the table that makes you special. You only have so many people you're going to be working with. 
You can even when you are trying to be respectful of your time and meetings, you know, there's certain ways to communicate things that it's respectful to your clients and it shows them that they're also valuable because you've chosen Listen, them. You got to get the book, <laughs> The Power of Scarcity. It will. She's made a couple of great points here, which we learned mm -hmm. from your book. How you say it does matter. You can't just say mm -hmm. scarce. Can't just say limited. There's a how to how you do that that makes sense. Mindy, if people want to connect with you, want to get more involved, want to hear more about it, and I would, if you're in sales or any yes. kind of you know, revenue-based business, it's, I can tell you what it's done for us. It's helped us grow our business 40% since I got involved with her. So how do they get involved with you? I make it really easy. So just go to MindyWeinstein.com. So that's M-I-N-D-Y Weinstein, W-E-I-N, S-T-E-I-N.com. And there, my book is on there. I do a lot of different things that I just give away because as you can tell, I get really excited about it. So I have my geeky moments where I'm going to educate you, but I'm going to make it practical. Yeah. So just, just go there and you'll find I, some I good listen, info. It worth, everybody needs to do that. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Resonation. Mindy, thank you. Thank you.